Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. With Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group. That's M. Double C A R T Y or call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Well, good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing pretty good, but I don't know if I told you this or not if we talked about it, but I have stopped drinking coffee. Wow. And it's been heck week. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll say that. But, I mean, you, you just read all these different things about taking care of your body and healthy mm-hmm. things. And so I'm trying to uh, – I'm going to tea. Okay. So so, so you're still okay. getting some caffeine. Yeah, but I still feel tired. Oh. So, so it's taken – I don't know what it is. I think maybe I need more sleep. Uh, could be. You know, it also means that, you know, your body is now trying to reduce its dependence on caffeine, right? Oh, okay, okay, because, yeah, this is interesting. Do I feel healthier? I don't know. Do you? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't feel a little sleepier. mentally, you've got to be feeling like you're doing something good for yourself, right? I think so. I think so. I'll have to look at it that way because I'm like, man, I miss my coffee. Oh. But, But I know, long run. It's good. It's going to be a good thing, right? Right. I hope so. I hope so. So how are you doing? How's your weekend going? <laughs> well, better than yours, right? <laughs> Me and my diet, Dr. Pepper, just oh, cruising right along here. So looks delicious. Sorry. I'm, you know, I, I don't know that I could actually speak if I didn't have that in my you know, morning <laughs> repertoire. But anyway, um, honestly, I got to tell you, my weekend's been very, very busy uh, with all things real estate. Um, I was up bright and early this morning reviewing offers um, mm. that I received on one of my listings, and I'm going to be presenting them to my seller once the show is a wrap. Oh, awesome. I think I heard offers and not just offer, huh? So uh-huh. are multiple offers still a thing? Uh, yeah. All right. Um, I thought the market has was cooling down. Well, the market has definitely returned to some normalcy. But I've actually been fortunate enough to have uh, multiple offer scenarios happening quite frequently. You know, when a home is priced appropriately and the marketing is done right, we're able to generate multiple offers. I've noticed that for homes that are priced under 400000 we've been very fortunate to generate multiple offers. And oftentimes those offers are above list price. Um, we're even having bidding wars happening at that price point again. 
Hmm, why is that? Well, simply put, there are a lot of buyers in that price range. Uh, First-time home buyers aren't being deterred by interest rates. Um, They need a home. It's Mm. not a want, but a need. Uh, The demand for homes in this price range, frankly, it far exceeds the supply. Uh, So if any of you listeners out there are living in your starter home and you've toyed around with the idea of selling and moving on up, seriously, give me a call. I know we can get your home sold quickly and you'll be shocked at just how much you can get for that entry-level home that you're currently in. Hmm, all right. So now I don't see a guest in the studio. What's the topic for today? Well, today I thought it would be good to explore some different investment opportunities in real estate. You know, I get asked about investing in real estate constantly, whether it be from a seasoned investor or someone who's just looking to get their feet wet. I think all of our listeners will be surprised just how many different ways there are that you can invest in real estate. Before we get started, I do have a news story that I want to share with you and a little housekeeping that we need to do too. Um, I was reading through the news like I typically do, and I came across an article I just had to share with our listeners. Home builder sentiment in February improved by the largest amount in nearly a decade. Now, frankly, I think that is some great news. So according to the National Association of Home Builders, home builder confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes in February rose seven points to 42. So to put this in perspective for all of you out there, this is the highest reading since September and the largest monthly gain since June of 2013. Now, I want you to keep in mind that anything below 50 is considered negative, but sentiment had fallen to 31 in December. So even though 42 is still a quote-unquote negative, it's a big improvement from what we saw just a few months ago. So the National Association of Home Builders Chairman, Alicia Huey, was quoted as saying the following, Quote, with the largest monthly increase for builder sentiment since June of 2013, the HMI indicates that incremental gains for housing affordability have the ability to price in buyers to the market. The nation continues to face a sizable housing shortage that can only be closed by building more affordable, attainable housing, end quote. Hmm. So with this improved sentiment among home builders, has that brought any changes to the new construction market, so to speak? Well, it certainly has. With mortgage rates dropping slightly and starting to stabilize and this improved sentiment among builders, we're starting to see some changes. Builders had been using strong incentives to offset higher mortgage rates, but they really appear to be pulling back on those as rates start to settle down. The National Association of Home Builders reported that 31% of builders reduced home prices in February, which was down from 35% in December and 36% in November. The average price drop in February was 6%, which was down from 8% in December and tied with 6% in November. The share of builders offering any kind of incentive, like a mortgage rate buy-down, 
fell to 57% in February, which was down from 62% in December and 59% in November. Now, of course, these are all nationwide stats. So my takeaway from all of this is that if, if you want to deal on new construction, you should try to take advantage of them now. I don't think these incentives are going to be around much longer, especially as we near the busy season of real estate. You know, the spring and summer months are just around the corner. Those warmer temperatures always seem to bring the buyers out in droves. So get the deals while you still can, because I don't know that they're going to be around much longer. Mm, Good to know. And actually, by the way, Lori, what are some good incentives that they have that they should take advantage of right now? So a lot of builders are offering interest rate buy-downs, closing costs if you're using their preferred lender. They might even be considering offering um, a credit towards um, upgrades on the particular home that you're buying. Okay. okay, so I'll tell them, don't miss out. Right. Okay. Hey, and, and honestly, not to give a sales pitch, but let your friend know that they can work with the McCarty Group when buying new construction, too. Listeners, even when you're buying new construction, you need a realtor with your best interest at heart representing you, not the interests of the builder. Our buyer's agents are highly experienced with new construction transactions, and they would be honored to assist you. So besides this news story, I mentioned a little housekeeping was in order. You know, I've tried during the past few live shows to talk about new real estate laws that have gone into effect in our state, but each and every time I've run out of time to talk about those. So not today. We're going to put those in at the beginning of this show. (laughs) So even though these laws have been in effect for a little bit now, some of you might not even know about them. So let's talk about these laws that might affect homeowners. With a new year comes new laws, and 2023 is no different, particularly here in California. And I really think it's critical that homeowners stay informed about what new laws might impact them. So if you didn't know already, here are some of these new laws that might be important to you. First up is Assembly Bill 1410 that went into effect on January 1, 2023. This new law bans HOAs from prohibiting the rental or leasing of an owner's right to rent a portion of their unit where the homeowner still lives on site. So let's say a homeowner lives in a community that has an HOA. This homeowner wants to rent out one of the rooms in their house. The HOA can't prevent the owner from doing this so long as the owner still lives on site. So Assembly Bill 2221 is another law that went into effect January 1, 2023. Now this law helps clarify existing law to make it easier to build ADUs or accessory dwelling units. So there have been all kinds of challenges in implementing ADU law. It's hard to believe, but it's been five and a half years since the state made accessory dwelling units and junior accessory dwelling units permitted by right. In that time, as to be expected, there's been a substantial amount of knowledge and expertise that's been developed by all the invested parties, such as ADU developers, financiers, and regulators, including the local planning and permitting staff, 
special districts, and utilities, and of course, the Department of Housing and Community Development. Not surprisingly, these parties have been able to identify areas of the law that could benefit from clarification or where existing law didn't really facilitate the timely permitting of ADUs and junior ADUs that was envisioned by the enabling legislation. So Assembly Bill 2221 actually helps clarify some of that law, making it easier to achieve the purposes of the ADU and junior ADU legislation. So if I look at the clock, it looks like we're just on time for a short break. And when I return to the mic, I have a few more laws that we're going to discuss, and then we're going to chat about all the different ways you can invest in real estate. So we'll be back in a minute. Don't touch that dial. And of course, you're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker last year, and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. The times we're living in are unparalleled, and it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer, or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options, and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Hi, Sebastian Gorka here with a hot real estate tip for you. Stay on top of the hottest trends every weekend when you tune in to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Laurie McCarty. Saturdays at 11 a.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR. 1560 a.m. and 97.7 FM. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Laurie McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 a.m., 97.7 FM. Now that's smart.
We're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review. Here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And Lori, we actually had a call during the break there. They didn't want to be on the air, but they wanted to ask if you could explain what an ADU is, an accessory dwelling Oh, absolutely. So ADU stands for an accessory dwelling unit, and that is a second unit on your property that is something like a mother-in-law or a guest quarters, okay? Okay, perfect, perfect. Now, before we jump into our topic today, we did have a listener ask a question, and they asked, what if someone is thinking about selling their home and they're concerned about finding the right home to buy with the limited supply of homes available Is there a way they can sell and buy at the same time? Or will they need to rent a home between the sale of their current home and the purchase of their new home? You know, Adelaide, this is a very real concern that a lot of sellers communicate to us. And if you're in that situation, rest assured, it's totally possible to sell your home and purchase your new home all at the same time. Usually there is no need to rent or move in with family between these two transactions. With a skillful and experienced realtor and a little negotiation, you can do it all at once. Mm, Okay, now, how do you make that happen? So in our industry, we call these concurrent closings. So a concurrent closing is a common escrow situation where a client is conducting two real estate deals and wants them both to close on the same day. Most commonly, clients request concurrent closings for The situation we just talked about, they're buying a new home and they're using the proceeds from the selling of their current house to pay for it. This allows the client to sell their current property and buy a new one at the same time. All right. That sounds simple enough. Well, it does, doesn't it? Mm. But in all reality, it's not simple at all. Concurrent closings require a dedicated and experienced agent that's managing these transactions because effectively we're trying to streamline two independent and possibly complicated transactions, each with their own important details, timelines, and personalities into what appears to be a seamless single transaction where both homes close simultaneously. Simply put, To make all this happen with a minimal amount of stress on your part, you need an agent that knows what they're doing, that's used to thinking out of the box and finding creative solutions to make things happen. Someone who's going to work tirelessly for you and in many ways try to move heaven and earth so that those stars all align and you can move out of one home right into the next one. In many ways, I don't know, it's kind of like trying to clean your home with a toddler following right behind you, right? So, I don't know, maybe it's not quite that difficult, but it isn't easy. So just remember, it is possible with the help of an expert dedicated to making the process as stress-free as possible for you. Mm, Great. So I'm guessing that you and your team have lots of experience making concurrent closings occur on time and without snags for the clients, right? You're correct, Adelaide. So if you want to sell and buy at the same time, give us a call, 661-665-SOLD. 
We have years of experience making this happen. Awesome. Now, before the break, you were talking about new laws that have gone into effect and will impact homeowners in California. Were there any more you wanted to chat about? Well, there were just a few more laws that I think we need to talk about. And then we can get into the fun stuff, investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. So now we were talking about um, the various different laws. And here is one that I think people need to know about. It's called AB 2170. And effective January 1st, it creates a state um, equivalent to the federal first look program for foreclosures, which gives priority on those foreclosed properties to purchasers who are prospective owner occupants, nonprofits, or public entities. The law also prohibits bundled sales of such residential one to four uh, family properties. So this law applies only to institutions such as mortgage servicers, lenders, including banks or credit unions, and real estate brokers that foreclosed on more than 175 residential properties in the prior or preceding year. Residential properties, of course, are going to be those that contain one to four units. Okay, so what that means is during the first 30 days that an institution offers a foreclosed on property for sale, it can only accept offers from eligible bidders that are defined to include individuals who are prospective owner occupants, as well as designated nonprofit and public entities. Now, together with their offer, these eligible bidders would have to submit an affidavit under penalty of perjury that they meet the qualifications to bid. I think that's in an effort to try to make sure that we are addressing the shortage of properties available for owner-occupants as opposed to those available for investors. Make sense? Yes, that does. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So then another one is Senate Bill 6. Now, it's not gone into effect yet, but it will come into effect July 1st of this year. This law enacts the Middle Class Housing Act of 2022, which establishes housing as an allowable use on any parcel zoned for office or retail uses. Now, in some circumstances, ministerial approval of the project is authorized. This law, the Middle Class Housing Act of 2022, deems a housing development project an allowable use on a parcel that is within a zone where office retail or parking are a principally permitted use if specified conditions are met, including requirements relating to density, public notice, comment hearing, or other procedures, site location and size, consistency with sustainable community strategy, or alternative plans, prevailing wage, and a skilled and trained workforce, and the parcel is not adjacent to a parcel dedicated to industrial use. Wow, that was a mouthful. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes this legalese just gets the best of me. (laughs) So if you think parking gets crazy in certain parts of California... I'm thinking that this new law could make it a little bit worse. AB 2097, which was effective January 1, 2023, 
prohibits any public agency, such as city or county, from any minimum automobile parking requirement on any residential, commercial, or other development project that is located within a half mile of a major transit stop. Are you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. Where the development contains 20 units or more, an exception could apply where a locality makes a finding that such prohibitions would have a substantial negative impact on residential or commercial parking within half a mile of the housing project. Whoa. Whoa. What are they thinking? <laughs> not at all is what they're not uh, Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. Gosh, got to love California. <laughs> Any of you out there thinking of adding on to your house? Okay. Assembly Bill 916, effective January 1, might be helpful for you. So this new bill aids homeowners in adding up to two bedrooms within an existing dwelling unit. Per the new law, a city or county shall not adopt or enforce an ordinance requiring a public hearing as a condition of reconfiguring existing space to increase the bedroom count within an existing dwelling unit. Interesting. Okay. And then last but not least, there is a new law when it comes to water usage. Of course there is, right? (laughs) Senate Bill 1157, effective January 1, 2023, changes the standards for indoor residential water use beginning 2025 to 47 gallons per person per day and beginning 2030 to 42 gallons per person per day. However, state water agencies do have discretion to recommend an alternate date on which the 2030 standard should take effect. Mm, Boy, now this sounds like I might need to cut back on my long showers. Well, not so fast, Adelaide. I mean, you should cut back because we are in a drought, even though this recent rain has helped. But this law doesn't necessarily directly impact you. The rule doesn't apply to customers, meaning regulators aren't going to write tickets to people for using more water than they're allowed. Instead, the state requires water agencies to meet that standard across all of its customers. So I'm pretty sure that this law is going to trickle down to customers in some way, shape, or form. The water agencies are going to have to do something, though, to cut back. Hmm. Okay? So that's it for all the new laws that we needed to talk about. I'm glad we finally got the opportunity to get that information out to everybody. Um, So now let's go ahead and let's start exploring some different ways that you can invest in real estate. Now, I think that this topic, frankly, could be multiple shows and each one could be an hour long. However, for time's sake, we're going to talk about uh, five main ways that you can invest in real estate. And we're going to talk about the various intricacies of each one. Uh, Sound like a plan, Adelaide? Yes, I've got my pen and paper ready, and yes, I'm going to be taking notes. (laughs) Okay. So the five main ways that you can invest in real estate that we're going to be talking about today are rental properties, real estate investment groups, house flipping, real estate trusts, and online real estate platforms. But before 
before we dive into each of these topics, let's talk about why you should invest in real estate. You know, real estate has always been one of the most popular investments out there. It consistently produces more stable returns than other investments, and its value can greatly appreciate over time. It has been famously said that 90% of all millionaires earned their money by investing in real estate. Hmm. So why is real estate considered a more stable investment? Well, Adelaide, if we look at the stock market compared to real estate, home prices rise and fall in a generally smooth fashion. Stock prices, on the other hand, display a much more volatile movement within a very short time period. Well, that's because stock transactions occur more rapidly than home sales due to liquidity differences. You know, it takes a minimum of several days to anywhere from uh, to, to a few weeks to locate a buyer, enter into a purchase agreement, and close a home sale. Whereas conversely, stocks are traded, both bought and sold, and the reverse, in an instant. So simply put, real estate lends itself as a reliable long-term investment. So let's discuss the first way to invest in real estate, rental properties, right? So owning rental properties can be a great opportunity for individuals who have do-it-yourself renovation skills and the patience to manage tenants. However, the downside to rental properties is that investing in them requires substantial capital. You have to think about how are you going to purchase the property? Are you buying it all cash or are you financing the purchase? And then secondly, you have to think about the potential renovation or maintenance costs. You need to be able to have money set aside uh, to do this. Um, And finally, there's the possibility that your rental property could be vacant, um, possibly for months at a time, although hopefully not. Um, So how are you going to afford that vacancy? So to be able to get involved with rental properties, you have to make sure that you have liquidity. You have to have cash saved up, okay? Mm -hmm. So there are There are two types of rental properties that we can look at. You can look at long-term rentals or short-term rental properties. Both have the potential for you to make an awful lot of money. Um, And each of them, of course, have their pros and their cons. So short-term rental properties are going to be rented on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Um, Examples of some of these short-term residential rentals Uh, would include vacation rentals um, or a house hacker who rents out a spare bedroom or a single-family rental home with a tenant on a month-to-month lease. Now, a lot of people think about an Airbnb when they hear of short-term rentals. Um, We previously had a show uh, where we talked about Airbnbs. So if you missed that one, go online and, and give it a listen. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at themccartygroup.com. Um, now, with a short-term rental, uh, these are the three main pros and a few cons that you have to consider. 
some of the positives with a short-term rental. Number one, you're going to have a higher gross income potential. So an investor with a short-term rental can easily adjust the rental price to meet the current market rate. That'll help you maximize the amount of gross rental income that you receive. Depending on the local market demand and the conditions, a short-term rental property can generate two to three times the amount of monthly rent compared to a long-term rental. Number two, a short-term rental, it's the easiest to maintain because a tenant only stays for a limited length of time. Um, So a short-term rental actually is pretty easy to maintain. Homes can be thoroughly cleaned each time a tenant leaves, and it can be inspected for any needed maintenance issue before a new tenant arrives. And then finally, number three, short-term rentals allow for increased flexibility. Some investors offer a short-term rental agreement to keep their options open if they're thinking about selling the property. For example, while another real estate investor may like the idea of having a tenant in place, a buyer looking for a primary residence doesn't want to have that home rented to a tenant. Now let's talk about some of the drawbacks with a short-term rental. Number one, consistent income with a short-term rental property is not guaranteed. While the short-term rentals may hold the promise of generating far more gross rental income, there's always the risk that the home is going to sit vacant for an extended period of time. On the other hand, when a property is rented long-term, it's much easier to predict how much rental income is going to be collected each month. Number two, short-term rentals come with a higher operating expense right? Because short-term rentals can be more maintenance intensive, especially if the tenant is using the rental as an alternative to a hotel room, right? The property being rented short-term typically has to be fully furnished and well-maintained, and it may need to be consistently stocked with personal items such as sheets, towels, toilet paper, cooking supplies, etc., And of course, last but certainly not least, the short-term rentals have those utility expenses because the tenant in a short-term rental usually expects that a landlord is going to pay for the utilities such as electricity, gas, water, trash, maybe even cable TV and internet service. While the utility expenses may be added into the rent, all of these additional bills can end up being so many items that have to be managed for some real estate investors, and it it may just be too much for them. Now, something else that you have to keep in mind with short-term rentals are some of the local laws that regulate short-term rentals. So many municipalities, like the city of Bakersfield, for example, have stricter rules for short-term rentals than for property that's being leased to a tenant for a long term. So depending on the city or the HOA, occupancy may be limited to a maximum period of time, and owners may be required to collect an occupancy tax for short-term rentals, similar to a hotel room tax. So now, 
Let's shift to long-term rentals. These are your more traditional rentals. Long-term rentals are generally rented to a tenant with a six or a 12-month lease term at a fixed annual or semi-annual rent. Most residential leases, like I said, are for six or 12 months at a time, although local landlord-tenant laws may allow for leases that are longer than those periods of time. Now, there are quite a few benefits to having a long-term rental. Number one, long-term rentals have a more predictable income. Rental income is consistent throughout the entire term of the lease uh, when a tenant is on a six or a 12-month lease, and they pay the rent in a timely manner. Um, So knowing how much cash is coming in each month really makes it easier to budget for maintenance and repairs and to more accurately forecast the potential return on investment. Number two, long-term rentals are easier to finance. Rental property occupied by a tenant on a long-term lease may also be easier and more affordable to finance when an investor knows what the cash flow stream is. Real estate investors may receive more attractive interest rates and financing terms when a lender views a long-term rental as having less potential risk due to higher vacancies, and higher repair costs. And then number three, long-term rentals generally have lower operating expenses, right? Because the renters on a long-term lease generally take care of the basic items such as cleaning the home, doing the yard work, and paying for their own utilities. Long-term rentals also generally have less wear and tear because tenants generally tend to take better care of a property that they think of as their home instead of a hotel room. Number four, typically long-term rentals have a lower tenant turnover. Administrative tasks such as marketing a property for rent, negotiating and signing a new lease, and making the property ready for a new tenant are much lower with a long-term rental. In fact, Some single-family rental owners may find a good tenant that renews the lease year after year. Finally, property management for a long-term rental is more economical when compared to a short-term rental. Professional property management fees for a long-term rental property generally range between 6 and 10% per month. On the other hand, management fees on a short-term rental can be as high as 30% of the rent collected simply because there is more work involved due to the tenants moving in and out throughout the month. Wow. So what do you say, Adelaide? Is it time that we take another break? Yeah, sounds good to me. Great. Um, So when we get back, let's talk about real estate investment groups, house flipping, real estate investment trusts, and online real estate platforms. Great. Now remember, folks, you're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we'll be right back. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. 
Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. The times we're living in are unparalleled, and it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer, or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options, and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Lori about all the ways you can invest in real estate. And Lori, before the break, you mentioned real estate investment groups. I don't think I've ever heard of those. What exactly is that? Well, I don't think we've talked about these before, Adelaide, so it should sound new to you. REIGs are like small mutual funds that invest in rental properties. So in a typical real estate investment group, or REIG, a company buys or builds a set of apartment blocks or condos that allows investors to purchase them through the company, thereby joining the group. So a single investor can own one or multiple units of self-contained living space, but the company operating the investment group 
collectively manages all of the units, handling the maintenance, the advertising, the vacancies, and interviewing the tenants. Now, in exchange for conducting these management tasks, the company takes a percentage of the monthly rent. Now, a standard real estate investment group lease is in the investor's name, and all of the units pool a portion of the rent to guard against occasional vacancies. To this end, you'll receive some income even if your unit is empty. As long as the vacancy rate for the pooled units doesn't spike too high, there should be more than enough to cover costs. Oh, okay. So are these real estate investment groups a good option for? I mean, who are they good for? Well, so a real estate investment group, they're perfect for people who want to own rental properties, but they don't want the hassles of running it yourself, right? Mm. So you understand the value of owning a rental. You just don't want to be the property manager, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to deal with the tenants or the maintenance, this is an option for you. Keep in mind, though, investing in real estate investment groups requires a capital cushion and access to financing. So you also still run the risk of issues with vacancies, and you may have fees similar to those seen in mutual funds. So if rental properties or real estate investment groups don't really intrigue you, then, I don't know, house flipping might. You know, maybe you've watched a lot of HGTV and you have the itch to buy a fixer-upper, make it pretty, and then sell it for hopefully a big profit. Well, I know this is making it sound a lot more simplistic than it is, but house flipping, I think, is for people that have a lot of experience in real estate valuation, marketing, and renovation. Because house flipping requires capital and it, it really requires the ability to do or oversee the repairs as needed, right? It's not, it, it's really not as simple as they make it look on TV, <laughs> yeah. okay? Um, that's why they also have the Fix My Flip shows, right? <laughs> the, we got into it, started it, and it did not turn out as pretty as it was supposed to. So, this is the side of real estate and real estate investing that can actually be a gamble. I, I can't stress this enough. You really have to know what you're doing when you flip a home, and you have to have the gambling type of personality. I see people lose money on flips quite often. Uh, I've also, though, seen people make a ton of money when flipping a home. Hmm. Now, what are some reasons why someone would lose money when flipping a house? Well, honestly, there are a lot of ways someone could lose money on a flip. Let's say you buy the house and you simply spend too much money on the initial purchase. That right there could turn you upside down. Or let's say you purchase the home and you realize you're in over your head with improvements. You unearth some, some sort of major issue that you hadn't budgeted for originally. Um, Frankly, that could wreck your profits. Um, let's say you go and you make improvements, but they're the ones that don't really improve the value of the home or the work wasn't done well and it turns buyers off. Uh, honestly, I see that happen a lot with flips. Um, that's going to take a toll on your profits. Um, or let's say you go to sell the home and the market has shifted 
A lot of people got caught in that last year, right? The house sits on the market for longer than you anticipated, and you have to pay more in monthly mortgage payments than you planned. That also can take a toll on your profits. Hmm. Now, house flipping does sound risky, and it doesn't sound like it's good for beginner investors, though. Well, it certainly can be risky, and it's only a good option for those with a vast knowledge and a good understanding of the real estate market. You know, if you do your research before you dive in, I think you can do well. Um, But to make it even trickier, there is this thing called the 90-day flip rule that can make house flipping a bigger headache. And what is the 90-day flip rule? Well, to put it in simple terms, if a home has been purchased within the last 90 days and then relisted for sale, it's not going to qualify for FHA financing until day 91. So it's going to qualify for conventional financing before that 90-day period is up, but it's going to need to be longer than 90 days since it was purchased before it can be resold to an FHA buyer. Mm, Okay, makes me a little weary. I might have to stay away from getting involved with those flips. Hey, I totally get it, Adelaide. House flipping is not for the majority of people. But let's talk about a real estate investment that's less risky. It's real estate investment trusts. So if you're a loyal listener, you may remember a show that we did a while back with fellow KNZR host, Andy Barkate. In that show, we talked at length about real estate investment trusts or REITs. You can find that show on our website too, if you missed it or you want to re-listen to it. Now, for those of you that don't remember, a REIT is created when a corporation or a trust uses investors' money to purchase and operate income properties. So REITs are bought and sold on the major exchanges like any other stock. A corporation must pay out 90% of its taxable profits in the form of dividends in order to to maintain its REIT status. Now, by doing this, REITs avoid paying corporate income tax, whereas a regular company would be taxed on its profits and then have to decide whether or not to distribute its after-tax profits as dividends. So like regular dividend-paying stocks, REITs are a solid investment for stock market investors who desire regular income. In comparison to the before-mentioned types of real estate investment, REITs afford investors entry into non-residential investments such as malls or office buildings that are generally not really feasible for individual investors to purchase directly. Most of us don't have that kind of money hanging around that we can go invest. More importantly, REITs or real estate investment trusts are highly liquid because they are exchange-traded trusts. In other words, you don't need a real estate agent and a title transfer to help you cash out your investment. In practice, REITs are a more formalized version of a real estate investment group. So I have one more form of real estate investing to talk about before we call it a wrap. Online investment platforms. So real estate investing platforms are for those who want to join others in investing in a bigger commercial or residential deal. So the investment is made via online real estate platforms, which 
are also known as real estate crowdfunding. This still requires investing capital, although it's less than what's required to purchase a property outright. Online platforms connect various different investors who are looking to finance projects with real estate developers. So now in some cases, you can diversify your investment without a whole lot of money. A great example of this is an online platform. I talked about a while back on one of my news updates, uh, Arrived Homes. So for those of you who don't remember, this is Amazon's online real estate investment platform. Arrived Homes finds and acquires single-family rental properties, then offers shares of the properties to investors through its online platform with a minimum investment of $100. Investors can browse the available properties and invest in whichever ones they choose. The company handles the management of the properties while the investors sit back and collect their share of the rental income and wait for the property to appreciate in value over time. After a targeted hold period of, say, five to seven years, Arrived Homes then sells the property and distributes the equity to each investor according to the number of shares they own. Assuming that the property increases in value, the investors share in the profits from the sale of the home. Online real estate platforms are actually a great option for those that don't have a ton of cash but want to feel like they are investing in real estate. It's also a a good way for those people that don't want to be involved in the management of a rental property and don't have the knowledge that's needed to be able to do a flip. All around, I think it's a really great option for beginners to get their feet wet. So, as I said, we could have spent an hour on each one of those topics, but To simplify things, I thought I would give you the highlights of each of those so that you could figure out which one works best for each of you. Um, So those are my top five investment opportunities. And I think, looking at the clock, that is all the time that we have to chat about those for today. Um, So remember, if there are details of today's topic that you would like to revisit, or if you know someone that would enjoy this information and just wasn't able to listen today, we've got three ways that you can access this show. You can catch the Encore performance uh, each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity, or you can hear this and all previous shows wherever you get your podcasts by searching the Kern County Real Estate Review. Or you can access this show on our website at themccartygroup.com and there you can listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Wishing you and yours a blessed day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week.
It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. Hi, Lori McCarty reminding you to mark your calendars for the first Saturday of each month for our open house, open mic edition of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Tune in at 11 a.m. sharp to get your exclusive backstage pass to our newest open houses hitting the market for the first time that weekend. We'll provide behind-the-scenes tips and chat with my team on location as they bring you Kern County's newest homes. We'll also take your calls and answer your questions, all while sharing the latest in real estate news with local industry experts. So don't forget, be sure to tune in the first Saturday of every month for our open house open mic edition here on KNZR. Hi, Sebastian Gorka here with a hot real estate tip for you. Stay on top of the hottest trends every weekend when you tune in to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Laurie McCarty. Saturdays at 11 a.m. and Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR. 1560 a.m. and 97.7 FM. <laughs> 